I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason. You're shortchanging us today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. My apologies. I, should, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't downplay how awesome you are, Jason. That's nothing to do with me. We're a team here, pal. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Great to have you with us in Studio C for your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. That is Blaine Fowler. I am Spencer Linton, and we are super excited to welcome in one of our favorite people ever, former BYU quarterback, great. And NFL quarterback as well, Max Hall, joins us. Max, it is so good to see you. What a week it's been for you. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, guys. appreciate having you on, man. Spencer and I got to go to lunch a couple weeks ago. That was fun. Yes. Down in AZ. I was, up. That was a good time. That was a fantastic time. You took me to a, uh, a fantastic restaurant, and like I told you during the break, I'm still thinking about the fish tacos, and now all of a sudden I'm hungry, <laughs> so i got to come back and go get those, but – in the meantime, Max, uh, you also mentioned during our lunch that you were beginning an incredible new venture, which I think is just super cool, an addiction recovery center. Um, I, I mean, that's what we're calling it. Uh, it's going to help a lot of people in their mental health and their battle uh, to overcome different trials and whatnot. What can you tell us about the addiction recovery center and, and what began this process for you to open up this center? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So um, about a year and a half ago, I started a podcast with a few guys and it's called Agents of Recovery. And we're talking about all kinds of different subjects and addiction or even leadership, finding your why, um, communication, all kinds of stuff. But um, we decided that we needed to take our influence to the next level. So we're opening up a, a substance abuse counseling center. So it's not an inpatient center. It's not an overnight thing. We want to strictly focus on your therapy, your aftercare, and helping you stay sober. Um, and you can be with us for as long as you want, right? So I'm trying to do my part to use my story and use my experience um, to help bless the lives of others because I had people rally around me to help me when I needed it. And I understand that not everybody out there has that team, um, has those people to rally around them. So um, I wanna be that team. Uh, so, so me and my partner open this, we can bring you in, we can have that support for you, we can give you the work that you need and help work with you to stay sober and be with us forever. So we're really excited about that and the influence that we can have and uh, to kind of kick us off, we're, we're sponsoring an event that's actually happening tonight. Uh, it's with Connection is the Cure. It's going to be, you know, there's a concert and singing and a bunch of us are going to speak and just kind of bring awareness and connection. Um, as all of us know, people who suffer from mental illness or addiction or whatever. So um, we're trying to rally the troops, man. We're trying to get people to help out, whether that's through donations or just supporting us, helping us. Um, get guys jobs, you know, whatever we need to help those. We, we're trying to rally the community. So we're looking forward to tonight and what we can do in the future with Victory Recovery. Max, what, what's this last week been like? Because you, you've really been thrust back into that spotlight like crazy. I mean, every time I get on Twitter, there's some comment there. There's a story about you there. You've been in multiple media um, uh, outlets. 
Instagram, like you name the social media platform, your story's been out there. It's, 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 so it sheds a spotlight um, not only on this center, but back on you again and what you've been through. What's that been like to kind of relive that over and over again this week? You know, it is kind of funny. I mentioned to someone the other day, I was like, I feel like I'm playing at BYU again, man. I got all these <laughs> interviews and all this stuff set up. And, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. I'm not on there a lot. I don't post a lot. That's just not who I am. Um, but it was worth it for me to get outside of my comfort zone on social media and do all these interviews to help promote what I'm doing because it's important. So it's been a crazy week. I've had two or three either radio or TV shows going on every day to try to promote what we're doing um, because it's for a good cause. And so I'm willing to put myself out there and um, let everybody know what I'm up to and what I'm trying to do to help other people. Max Hall is on BYU Sports Nation, opening a substance abuse counseling center in the greater Mesa area of Arizona called Victory Recovery. Love that name as well. And uh, Max, when you when you think about this project, where do you see it going? And, and how far out do you do you feel like it's going to branch? Like, is this something you you plan on uh, opening up multiple centers? Like, is it going to be in, in other places besides Mesa? What do you have for the vision of Victory Recovery? Yeah, our vision is multiple centers. Mm. Um, as what, what what that looks like, maybe three, four, five of them. We want we want to stretch out as far as we can and help as many people as we can. So, um, hopefully, hopefully another one or two in Arizona. I would love to bring one to Utah if if there's a niche and a, a place where I think we can help and be successful. Um, and who knows after that, but. The plan is to do this for a while, and, and while I'm in it, do whatever I can to make an impact. But, yeah, we plan on having um, multiple places where people can go and get help. We, we can't bring you on because we wanted to really talk about, about this because this is huge this week and so important to all of us and important to you. We can't bring you on and not talk some football. And there is a little bit of a, a tie here because everything I'm seeing, there's even Utah fans supporting you. Like, I'm watching on Twitter, and there's Utah fans. Like, I'm a Utah fan, but I'm all for Max Hall on this one. I, which, I'm like, I'm not sure. Can Max like Utah fans now? <laughs> and, and, and with all of this this uh, go, this expansion talk, all of this in this last couple weeks, I know you've been following that as well. What's your thought on your good friends at Utah joining the Big 12? Is that something that should happen? Do you want them in the Big 12? Uh, that's interesting. So um, <laughs> I think BYU fans and Utah fans need to understand something that um, a lot of what happened back in the day and the hate and, and the comments were, were definitely in the moment when I was caught up in the rivalry. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm still Utah's the rival and we, and we want to beat them. But having been through some of the situations and adversity in my life, I kind of found out that holding grudges or or hating other people because they like a different football team. Just it's not the move. And what's been really cool to see is even last year, when I came back to the BYU Utah game, I was overwhelmed with how BYU and Utah fans acted towards me and, and the support they gave me and even Utah fans jumping on social media right now and supporting my cause and, and what we're doing. And, I remember there was even one comment of, uh, you know, there was a, a guy said, even though he hates me, I still want to support Max and his cause. And I, and I wrote him back and said, well, I don't hate you as much anymore now. So thanks for supporting, the, <laughs> supporting what we're doing, right? 
But people understand it's so much bigger than football. And like I said, we're all affected by this. And if we can all be on one team um, for this cause and stand up to help other people who are, who are suffering and struggling through life, I think we can all be on the same team for that. You know, when the football game's going on, I'm going to cheer for BYU, you know. But, but when other things are going on, we can rally together. So my answer to that, Blaine, is yes. I think BYU, I think Utah should be in that conference. I think it'd be good for the conference. Utah has a great football program, and I'd love to see BYU and Utah continue to play over the years. Max Hall is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, let's stay with the football beat, my friend, because it's been a wild week of realignment now that USC and UCLA are leaving for the Big Ten. And, you know, you're in Arizona, and it, it didn't take long for the Arizona schools to come into the conversation about uh, the Sun Devils and the Wildcats joining the Big 12 along with Utah and Colorado and pushing the Big 12 to 16 teams. Uh, from what you've been able to gather in your circles down in Arizona, is that something that Arizona State and Arizona fans want? Do they, do they want the security of the Big 12, or do they feel like they're, they're going to be okay staying in the Pac-12? It's a great question, and I, I honestly don't know the vibe on that. But where ASU and U of A's programs are right now, I would probably think that they would want to stay where they're at. Um, do I think it'd be good for the Arizona schools to move to the Big 12? Absolutely. I think that would be the right move, but I don't know if the programs are ready to compete um, every week against the quality opponents that are going to be in the Big 12. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. I'm mixed on it, but they may want to stay where they're at for a few years or um, not sure if they're ready to move up. I want to talk specifically about BYU, Max. You, most people realize that, that Max is very involved in the science of playing the position of quarterback. He trains quarterbacks, does individual training. He coaches um, when, when Max gives me his opinion on how a quarterback is, I, it, has a, it carries a lot of weight with me. It has a lot of merit. So first I want to start with Jaron Hall and your thoughts on Jaron Hall and what you expect from him this football season. Yeah, so first of all, I love Jaron. Uh, I think he's a great kid. I think, he, I think he's a spectacular talent and has done a good job so far. Um, I think that there are high, high expectations for him going into this year, just like there were high expectations for me going into my senior year. And here's the thing. He has to stay consistent. And as everybody knows, he has to stay healthy. But we all know a healthy Jaron Hall, when he's on point and filling it in a game, he's as good as anybody. And he can make any play, whether that's throwing the ball or on his feet. He's an exciting player to watch. So for Jaron, let's get some consistency week in and week out. Let's stay healthy. And you got to lead this football team. You know, there's that, there's that saying, Blaine, as the QB goes, the team goes. And if he can be consistent, I think the team will be. And I think we'll win a lot of football games. Max, you are a big fan of Jacob Conover as well. And he has, in large part, been deemed the clear backup to Jaron Hall. Why do you think that Jacob Conover is the guy that could step into those big shoes that Jaron is going to leave and lead BYU into the Big 12? I've been around a lot of quarterbacks, you guys, and, and, and I've seen them. All the quarterbacks out there can throw a football and, and look good and do all that. Jacob Conover, I think, is a kid whose skills go beyond just throwing a football. 
I've had a chance to train him. I've had a chance to be around him. I love his demeanor. He's bright eyed. He's smart. He's willing to work. He's a great teammate. Even when he's out there with me throwing and we have the high school kids out there, he's great to them. He coaches them up. He's just got a natural leadership ability about him and it's contagious. One of those guys you just like being around. So, you know, I, I hope and I think that Jacob's going to be the next great at, at BYU and I think he's going to have a really good career. So I'm excited to see how he develops and, and how he matures as as he hopefully steps into that role in the next few years. And so I think we got a couple good ones with Jaron and Jacob and both of them are guys who can make plays and will be exciting to watch. So I think Jacob's going to be a good one. Max on Jacob, you, you talked about things that you and I know are 80% of play in that position, right? Leadership, decision-making, all of those things. If, if it was physical skills, Tom Brady wouldn't be the greatest player in the history of the game, right? But what about Jacob's right. physical skill set? How is he equipped to play at this level, to play in the Big 12? Arm strength, you know, arm talent, size, all of that. Does he fit in? Can he, can he be that guy? Yeah, I think he can. So when Jacob, right when he got home off his mission uh, and he's in Arizona, he called me up and we went out. We started kind of training with each other and doing some stuff. And I kind of made fun of him. I was like, bro, you need to you need to get that get rid of that pudge and your feet are slow and you got some work to do. And then like, come on, man, we got We got to get this mission rust off of you. And, uh, you know, then he goes to BYU and I see him next time he comes back down and to me, he made a complete like body change makeover. Like he looked the part, his feet were better. Um, he could move well. And he, the dude has a cannon of an arm. Like physically, the skill set that he has, he has plenty to play a high level of football and um, be successful against high level teams. So you combine that, if he continues to work on that and get his, get his body bigger and stronger and healthy, he 100% has the intangibles to be great in the leadership qualities and, and the head and the timing, decision-making accuracy that we talked about that all great quarterbacks have to do. So got plenty of arm. His feet are great. He continues to get strong so he can stay healthy and take hits. I'm telling you, man, he's got what it takes to be good. I can hear Max Hall's voice in my head right now. Like if you were training me, Max, come on, Spencer, you got to get rid of the pudge. Get rid of the pudge. Your feet are slow. I don't even, I'm glad that I didn't go to, to lunch with you guys because I know Max would have said to me, Blaine, what's with the pudge? <laughs> that, that, that wouldn't be good. Arms look good, pudge not so good. We got to get rid of the pudge. So, I, Hey, I love oh, it, Max. I, because I call you out. <laughs> I he call you out big time. I wouldn't let it slide. Especially no, he would too. Right? That's the thing. He would absolutely do that. He'd be like, Blaine, what's with the waistline? Let's go, bro. So that's what I love about Max. But I'll tell you what, talking to you, Max, makes me feel really good about the, the, the quarterback position at BYU. And, I, you know, BYU, I've been saying they're back in the quarterback business, and you just verified that. I want to ask you one more thing. We have this thing we're asking the fans today in the new Big 12. There's going to be four teams each season, well, until Texas and Oklahoma go, or if the Pac-10 adds some teams. But right now, you're not going to play four teams. Is there a team that you absolutely would not want to play next year, first year in the in the Big 12? You say, hey, keep them off the schedule. And is there a team that you go, oh, absolutely got to play them? It's a good question. I, I'm going to be a little vague in it. The, the teams that I would absolutely want to play are Oklahoma, Texas, and Iowa State. Me yes. too. Those I'm there the with teams. you. Me too. 
Yep. Yeah, those three teams, I mean, that's a, that's a game that I'm looking forward to watching and are also still games that I think BYU shows up and play like they can, can win. Um, so I, I look forward to those. I don't know, a team that I just wouldn't want to play. I'm not scared to play anybody, man. Bring it on. I mean, we, we can't have that attitude. <laughs> we, um, can, we can go with that. We can go with that. Yeah, we. I mean, for the record. Yeah, just, 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 just give me. Give me somebody and don't don't matter. We'll take them dead. Like, that's us the did, attitude you got to have. Both of us didn't care about care West Virginia. I don't care if it's Virginia. Alabama or Baylor or whatever. You, you know? think? So. Okay. Spencer and I both didn't care about West Virginia. You're like, ah, we're okay if we don't play West Virginia. Morgantown. They're a long yeah, way away. Whatever. Whatever. I'm... Okay with that. I'm okay with that. Okay, yeah. right. okay awesome. Max. It's so great to catch up That's, with you. Okay, West Virginia. You guys got me. Ben, West Virginia. West He's joined Virginia. us. He's joined us with West Virginia. He's joined us. Congratulations again on your new venture for the Substance Abuse Counseling Center. It's called Victory Recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know you're coaching high school football. You're the offensive coordinator for a 5A team. You've made the jump to for American Leadership Academy. Uh, you're an assistant athletic director there as well. I mean, things are going so well for you, man. So we're sending you BYU Sports Nation karma for uh, the center to get off the ground, for your team to go uh, do some good things on the football field, and let's talk again soon. Absolutely. I love you guys. appreciate everything you guys do and having me on and helping me promote what we're doing. So have a good one, guys. You awesome. got it. Thanks, Max, Max Hall. So excited for all the great things Max is doing. Legendary. By the way, uh, he told me a great story. 32 wins as the starting right, quarterback right. of BYU. Is that ever going to be broken? No. That's, that's probably never going to be broken. Right? 32 wins as a starting quarterback. Um, and he, he jokes with Ty. He's like, how does it feel to never to know that you'll never have that record? <laughs> I love that. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Mentioned off the top of the show, rivalries are on topic. One of the casualties of conference realignment has been the pushing away and the demise of several key rivalry matchups. And... Just maybe we are going to be seeing more of that if this movement continues. Okay, uh, Among those, Jason, and one that I know that you know well because of where you are from originally, yes. Missouri, Kansas. Yes. I know it's middle of the country. It doesn't get as much luster as some of the other ones, but that one, a lot of people are upset that it's it went a, away. It's a big deal in that area, yeah. Texas, Texas A&M. Oh, man, the Texas people did not like that rivalry going away. Uh, BYU-Utah obviously hits close to home for us. I don't know that USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten takes away a lot of rivalries from USC and other Pac-12 teams because they are the rivalry. They are the rivalry. The rivalry is intact because they're going together. Right. I mean, we like to see USC and Oregon play each other because it's fun. West Coast football is typically a big game. Um, but another one I'd like to bring up is Nebraska-Colorado. Like I remember watching that game every Friday yeah. on Thanksgiving weekend thinking, oh, man, you – here goes Colorado and Nebraska. There are two-storied programs. They hate each other. That one's gone away. I don't like it, but my question is, as realignment continues, should rivalries matter? Should it be something that they think about? Oh, we've got to keep this intact. Should rivalries matter in discussions and placing of conference realignment things? Should it? Probably. Does it? No. 
Look, we know that the two most important things in this conference realignment, regardless of when it's happening, you know, what conferences are involved, what teams are involved, it is all about money and access to the playoff. That's, that's what is driving 100% of it. You could, I don't know if it's 50% and 50% or, you know, but those are the two things that people worry, are worrying about. That is why all of these conferences are looking for other teams. That's why these teams are looking to jump to other conferences. It is finances yeah. and access. Yeah. Those are the two things. When we talk about rivalries, I'm focusing more on, because you mentioned a couple of, of different rivalries. I, I'm focusing mostly on your actual rival. Now, obviously, you have, like, like BYU-Utah. Now, is there a rival BYU-Boise State? Well, of course. Is there a BYU-Utah State rival? Well, of course. But the rival is Utah. So with, with, that's kind of where I'm focusing. At the end of the day, we've gone so far away from it with teams leaving and teams separating. And the fact specifically that BYU and Utah have not been in the same conference for over a decade, I'm – and look – I am willing to admit I'm in the minority on this. I know that. But I, and I've said this, though, for a long time. This is not just because BYU's sitting on a win. I don't, it doesn't bother me that Utah and BYU are on separate paths now mm. and that, that Utah was in the Pac-12 and now BYU's in the Big 12. That does not bother me. Would it I'm, bother you more had BYU not beaten Utah last no, September? No, no, it doesn't. That does not change it one way or the Seriously, other. Seriously, so if you were sitting on a 10-game losing it does. It, does not, it didn't bother me when they had lost nine in a row. It doesn't bother me when BYU's won one in a row. Okay. I'm perfectly fine with them not playing each other. I don't have to have that game. But again, I realize I'm in the minority on this. So for me, I, I, just, I just don't think that it has much relevance in moving forward on decisions that are being made because it's just not one of those two top things, finances and playoff access, that, that it's driving all of this. Okay. Should, it, should it have some sort of a, of a, of a situation that, that plays into it? Well, yeah, but it, it, it clearly is not. Okay, I'm actually going to help the idea and your argument that BYU and Utah doesn't have to happen here because when it went away for a few years, was it the end of the world? I mean, remember when we found out that BYU and Utah were not going to play? It's like, no, you can't do this. You're ruining something that only World War II has shut down previously. Right. You know, it didn't happen, and did life go on? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they didn't play in 2014. Was anybody mad that Utah was not on the schedule in 2014 when BYU was rolling with Taysom Hill when they were 4-0 and ranked number 18? Did anybody care that Utah was not on the schedule in 2014 at that point? No. No BYU fan was like, oh, man, we're really missing out on Utah because they were all focused on Taysom Hill and him being like this dark horse Heisman candidate and BYU just crushed Texas for a second year in a row and things were – Fantastic, and then he broke his leg and things changed, yes, but it didn't, it didn't happen in 2014 and life continued. Yeah, I didn't like it, but like, it wasn't as big of a deal as we all made it out to be. And guess what? The same thing applies for all the rivalries I just mentioned. Missouri, Kansas, Texas, Texas A&M, Colorado, Nebraska. Like, they all stopped happening and it was like, uh, I guess you know, college football is still relevant and fun and exciting even if those teams do not play each yeah. other. I don't like it. But it's fine. It's not as big a deal as we are making of it. There are only five rivalries in college sports that I think really, really, really move the needle nationally. One is Army-Navy, okay? Yep. That one, 
moves the needle. It's probably the top of the list. The second is Alabama, Auburn. There's Oklahoma, Texas. Okay, and then there's Michigan and Ohio State, and that's probably number two, Michigan, Ohio State. And then in basketball, Carolina and Duke. Okay, outside of those five, right? Like if you took one of those away, then I think people would start to be like, eh, okay, maybe maybe we should try and seek some sort of legal terminology to make this continue to happen. Right. But I feel like those are like the five rivalries that really matter. Outside of that, like the fans of those teams get upset, but it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And it clearly doesn't matter because we're seeing the sport go away from it in general. It, it just doesn't it does not have the same pull that that we all used to yeah. think of it as. It just doesn't. I don't like it. I don't like that these rivalries are going away. I like the regional ties. I like what it means. I like the history. But in the long run, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. Will you still like college football? Of, of course. course you will. You're going to like your team and what they do. Well, there will still be compelling matchups all over the map, and you'll still have the, the natural. Again, you'll still have the five that I mentioned that matter the most. Like, you'll still like college football. It's, it, it's not great, but you'll still love it. So it's not as big of a deal as we're I really thought you were going to fight the other direction. That surprises I, me. I don't like it, but it is what it is. Yeah. Like, there will still be compelling, awesome college football, and we will eat it up. As we've seen over the last and decade new rivalries plus. will be formed. Yes. BYU-Boise State, for one, is uh, one that has really come to the top lately for BYU fans. And it's going away. <laughs> Guess what? BYU-Baylor, BYU-TCU. Yeah. Yes. BYU-Baylor, we're all looking it's forward to it. It's all going to happen, and yep. you're going to love it and embrace it as new rivalries, even if Utah's not on the schedule. All right. We want to know what you think, but first... Mm -hmm. We have to get to something, Jason. And I'm excited. I'm excited that we are doing this here together today because the countdown to the Big 12 is on. Are we adding a countdown? Hit it! Countdown to the Big 12. 354. 354 oh, yeah. days away. Oh, By the way, Big 12 yeah. media days start tomorrow in Dallas. And it will run two days at Jerry's World. I'm still looking at like red eye flights to see if I want to go down there tonight. I'm not joking. <laughs> Maybe I just take my computer and we just zoom it up tomorrow. Let's just I do it. Know. Let's go. I don't know. 354 days away from BYU officially joining the Big 12. Yes, we have added a countdown, and it's glorious. Two countdowns and one that's over 350 days. Uh, we can live without rivalries, but we can't live without countdowns. We can't live without countdowns. We can't live without countdowns. Of course not. Okay, now we want you to respond, if you haven't already. When it comes to conference realignment, how much should rivalries matter? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Mm. Let's uh, get to our first tweet from David Ainscoff on Twitter, who says, quote, rivalries matter a lot. Rivalries are what make college football the best sport in the world. Now, I agree on some of those with the rivalries that I mentioned are the top five most important in college sports. But... Guess what? Did, did it matter? Again, did it matter when BYU and Utah didn't play in 2014? Like, did it ruin BYU football for everyone or Utah football for that matter? No. In fact, I saw a lot of people say, you know, I kind of like the break. I kind of like to take a breath and then like... I enjoyed the break. I honestly did. I really did. Like, I know that they matter. I know they matter. So you got to play every once in a while, but you have to play every year. And it just, it's not as big of a deal as I think we make of it. Yep. 
And your, your point about the fact that we've already dealt with this with BYU-Utah, like we've seen that life goes on when you don't have to play each other and every year. you still year. love it. You, you still, still love it. You still, still love the sport. sport. Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Texas Tech yesterday announced a $200 million upgrade to football facilities. Well, does BYU need to keep up with something like that? Um, I think in a lot of ways, behind the scenes, BYU is probably already keeping up with that. We just don't hear about it. That's the glorious thing about BYU and the way that they operate things <clears throat> is everything is done just kind of quietly and wisely and very financially sound. And yeah, and for that record, or for that matter, Jason, I think that there are a couple of sleeping giants for BYU. One is the purchase of the old Provo High School. I just feel like it is the masterminds behind the scenes are working on something fantastic. Are you for what Brian Windhorsting us for right now? Do. Now, what? why? <laughs> why would they do that? Okay, they bought it a long time ago. And I've always felt like that's a sleeping giant. Like there, there are big plans for that thing. We don't know about them. That 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 one's at some point is going to yeah. be big. Look, like BYU is going to up, update stuff. I mean, that, that's just it's it's an evolution of it. They're going to do that. Do they feel like they've got to drop 200 million? I I, I highly doubt. They're going to do what's best for BYU, whatever that means. They're going to do that. But <laughs> that they're look, BYU has already proven that when things need to be updated, they'll update. Yes, the whack apparently is teaming up with Ken Pomeroy, our guy Ken Palm, Utah guy. And he will create a formula that will seed their conference hoops tournament based on an algorithm that accounts for quality of wins over quantity of wins. This is unprecedented on the overall schedule. So you could have a worse record, but if your quality of wins give you, right, like you're gonna get a better seed. That's pretty crazy, right? Okay, so is the WAC wacky, or are they just ahead of the curve for doing this? Probably ahead of the curve. This seems to be where everything's going. I mean, it's, it's look, the, the kids love their analytics, okay? So this, this is really where sports are going, and why not go this direction? The NCAA tournament already does this, yeah. Jason, with their committee and the net ranking and the, like, so how does a 19 and 11 Syracuse team get into the tournament and you know a 25 and three Utah State team doesn't because of things like this? It's already happening at the NCAA tournament level. Why not take it to your conference tournament? I'm, I'd say they're ahead of the curve. Yeah, I, this probably will not be the last conference you hear doing no. something similar to this. All right, uh, the NBA had Richard Jefferson, the former player, mm -hmm. uh, officiate a quarter of a summer league game last <laughs> night. Um, do you feel that you could officiate a BYU WCC game and do a better job than the WCC officials? No. I do not feel like I could do a better job than the West Coast Conference officiating crew. As much as I would like to tell myself that I could, like they have such a hard job. And I know it, it, it's been tough. It's been tough on BYU fans. Like not all officials are created equal, nor are their skill sets. But I couldn't do a better job than the guys they bring in. Yeah, I could not, nor do I want that responsibility. I, I want no part of it. I don't, I don't want Lead that responsibility. Lead me away from it. Yes. I'm thinking about, you know, any sort of officiating as I'm, you know, trying not to yell at the Pleasant Grove umpire that is making just abhorrent calls yesterday in my son's Little League State Championship baseball game. Mm. You know, I want no part of officiating. We don't need to see you popping up on viral um, videos no, going ballistic that's, from the I, stands, I okay? stay quiet most of the time. All right. I feel the frustration, but I stay quiet. Okay. 
All right, Jason. All right, uh, who who is this man? Yeah, yeah. Look at this picture. Look, look at this picture. Who is this man, Jason? Is this Andy Fletcher, the late Depeche Mode keyboardist? Or is that BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo? Uh, by the way, I love the fact that we're mixing in Depeche Mode on this show. Uh, but that is not Tom Homo. But look, okay, Ryan Hancock tweeted this out. What can Tom Homo do? <laughs> the, the fact that that does look just like Tom Homo is awesome. I love Depeche Mode so much. And it really does. That is Tom Homo's doppelganger. Like, spot on. <laughs> Enjoy the silence. Like, what's your favorite Depeche Mode song? Um, Probably that. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably that. Shout is also another great one. Yeah. Right? Or is that Tears for Fears? Uh, Shout is Tears for That's Fears. Right. That's right. Yes. That's Tears for Fears. Yeah. <clears throat> like Depeche Mode, if you uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, if you're if you're younger, go go check out Depeche Mode. This is a fantastic okay. band. BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for the what's best of BYU You're talking about it. And so are favorite we. conversation it's and them to you every What's Saturday. trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Big 12 media days in a big place. Jerry's World in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, right on the field. How about that? Why are we not there? We got, I guess we're on our own field, right? We are on our field. Uh, <laughs> this is not as big as Jerry World. We're on our own field. But it certainly feels big, right? Yeah, our own little cavern that we're <laughs> discussing Big 12 Media Days in. Jason, quite simply, uh, we've had a chance to hear from Brett Yormark, the new commissioner of the Big 12. Bob Bowlesby has taken the mic. Uh, this is a two-day event, and so I'm sure there will be anything and everything discussed around realignment, uh, scheduling, all that stuff. And we'll play some of the top sound bites that have already taken place today for you during this segment. But I do need to ask you off the top, I mean, what are you hoping to learn from this? What are you, what are you hoping to learn and uh, know after the Big 12 media days have wrapped up? Look, I, I think ultimately the only thing that I really wanted to know, and, and it's not something specific. I mean, if you get specifics, great, but I don't know if anybody's really anticipating anything because there's so many things in flux. But I, I, I wanted to hear the vision. I wanted to hear what Commissioner Yorkman and, or your mark, your mark, I keep calling him Yorman. I don't know why that okay. is. Commissioner Yormark um, sees for this conference moving forward. This, this is it's a guy that a lot of us didn't know anything about. And so to get him in and hear his vision, that's really what I wanted to hear. Yeah, what everybody wants to know is, are you going to add more teams? Right. Is there more realignment coming? Like, not surprising that that question was asked basically first. And, yeah, I want to know too. Like, I want to know all about that, but I'm not expecting to hear anything. Right. You know, I'm expecting to hear, well, we're just kind of, it's wait and see approach. In fact, with that on the mind, Jason, let's get to our first soundbite. Here is Brett Yormark on if the Big 12 is actively engaged specifically with Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. We're exploring all options, and we're open for business. And optionality is good, and we're vetting through all of them. I think it's fair to say I've received a lot of phone calls, a lot of interest, People understand the direction of the Big 12, and we're exploring those levels of interest. Nothing is imminent, but we're working hard to make sure that we position the Big 12 in the best possible way on a go-forward basis. Okay, that's what I wanted to know, the latest on realignment. And uh, might I just add, Brett Yormark is a sharp dude. Sharp dressed, he's been around in the business in several different high-level businesses, been extremely successful. 
And I like how he attacked it, where he said, look, there's a lot of interest in joining the Big 12. We've received a lot of phone calls. Nothing is imminent. Basically, we're just taking those phone calls, we're listening to all of them, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, and those are all things that you would expect to hear. Sure. I, I, think the, I think the biggest thing is, look, he, right out of the gate, nothing is imminent. We're not saying anything's happening right now. And look, I, I don't know if anybody expects anything to happen right now. Now, again, things certainly, as we've seen very recently, can change in, in you know, drop of a hat. But um, I, I, I like the fact that right out of the gate, he's acknowledging what's out there. Mm -hmm. He's saying nothing's imminent, but we're taking phone calls and we're listening and we're going to do what's best for the conference. Yeah, I mean, there, it's no surprise that that was the early question. And there, again, not shockingly, a number of follow-up questions yeah. surrounding the Big 12 and the Pac-12 specifically. Well, and he, Commissioner Yormark was asked, you know, he just obviously talked about the fact, you know, you're taking calls from other people. You know, he was specifically asked if the Big 12 themselves will poach teams from the Big 12. There is not a definitive plan right now. We're exploring all options. I can assure you that given the time I've spent with our presidents, our chancellors, our athletic directors, we are a very unified group. Okay, I like to hear that. Man, you wonder just how unified they are. It feels like the Big 12 is more collectively unified than a conference like the Pac-12. Well, because, because USC and UCLA just left, Well, right? and because the Big 12 was where the Pac-12 is now. They were in that same boat last year. They're a year past that. They've been able to yeah. galvanize themselves, and a lot of it comes with not just adding schools, but also sort of galvanizing the, the, the rest of the group against a couple of other teams yeah. who want out. Yes. So to me, like what I take away from that last soundbite from Brett Yormark is the Big 12 is not currently worried about having any defectors. Okay? And, and I like to hear that because everything feels like everything's on the table, right? It's like, oh, man, well, I hope that Oklahoma State stays after a couple of years. I hope that Baylor's bought in. I hope that TCU's bought in. They don't want to go to some other conference. But he's – very, very bullish, and he uses that word later on in the soundbite that you will hear, that they are not going anywhere. And that is fantastic news for BYU fans. So the question was about, are you going to poach teams from the Pac-12? And my, the thing that I take from that has nothing to do with the Pac-12. It has everything to do with the Big 12 standing with a unified front and feeling confident that there are not going to be teams leaving the Big 12 for somewhere else. And I think that's important to yes. show that confidence sure. that the conference is in good shape right now. Things can certainly change in terms of additions, but where they are today, they're confident and they like where they are. They like the pieces that they have to work with moving forward. And that should give everybody, not just BYU fans, sure. but everybody that's associated with the Big 12 currently or will be soon, that should give yeah. them a lot of confidence to hear the confidence coming from the league. Well, and it goes without saying, while Brett Yormark is very confident in what group they have that currently constitutes the Big 12, everyone's got an opinion on USC and UCLA leaving, right? And the money that the Trojans and Bruins are going to receive once they get to the Big 10 and have that new media rights deal in place, here's Brett Yormark on specifically USC and UCLA and the shockwave that that brought to college football. I was excited by it in many respects because I saw there was opportunity and I figured I'd be thrown into it uh, a little sooner than I had thought. And as Linda said, uh, I've been working very closely with Bob and others on defining our path forward. So I, I do look at it as an opportunity 
uh, as I said earlier, we're going to vet out all the possibilities and options and determine where we go. Now, this is interesting, Jason, because a lot of old school college football mentalities do not have the approach of Brett Yormark. And they're like, oh, it's ruining college football. All of these longstanding traditions, the heart of the Pac-12, the L.A. market, like it's all ruined now. What did he say? I was excited by it. I see it as opportunity. He's a businessman, Jason. This is what the Big 12 wanted to go totally off the radar with their new commissioner, not somebody that's been in college football forever. And that's not saying anything it's Bob Bowlesby because we love Bob. And Bob has done remarkable things with the NCAA and the Big 12. He's earned his retirement, which is soon forthcoming. But Brett Yormark is a businessman and has led the Barclays Center and has been working with Rock Nation and Jay-Z. He's about entertainment. He's about how to make the most money and put the best product in front of fans' eyes. Yeah, it was an, it was an out-of-the-box o- hire. Opportunity. Yes, that you, you can certainly see when you're trying to do something and blaze a trail down a new path, bringing somebody in that is creative like that and thinks outside of the box makes, makes a whole lot of sense. Yes, love that. I see it as opportunity. Yeah. I'm excited by it. Well, one opportunity moving forward. Now, granted, it doesn't happen until the media rights deal that they currently have ends in 2025. Uh, but Brett Yormark was asked about uh, about the the media rights moving forward mm-hmm. and where things stand with that. Okay. I'm bullish on the conference and what we look like today and what we look like when we enter those negotiations could be very different. Um, obviously, we've got three more years with our current partners. I've had a working relationship with ESPN and Fox for many years. I'm big fans of what they do. They're the best in the business. And I look forward to, at the right time, engaging with them on meaningful conversations on how we can enhance and amplify the value equation and, and how they glamorize and promote and market our great conference. So there aren't any specific I can speak to now as far as how we're going to position ourselves differently because there's a long time between now and and when we'll commence negotiation but I'm looking forward to that moment and as I said earlier everything we do from this point forward will lead towards that negotiation period I'm glad that dude's going to be in the room yeah Straight very up. impressive I'm glad that dude's going to be in the room um, because I and listen I know that the Pac-12 has been reeling a little bit but they've got a solid commissioner too I'm not saying you have to like these people, okay? But George Klyovkov, very sharp guy, and he's probably the reason the Pac-12 is going to survive this summer, okay? Brett Yormark, an extremely sharp dude, someone totally off the radar. I love how he has addressed the tough questions at the top of Big 12 media days, and I, I think, I, I believe him. So I'll, I take that for what you will. But, like, I don't believe everything I hear from all these commissioners, especially with realignment going on. I believe, I believe Brett Yormark when he says we're a unified group. I believe that. That matters. It does matter, especially with all of the uncertainty that's going on right now, to be able to put that out there, that this group is willing to continue to work together and they want to do this as a unified group, that says a lot. Ah, The negotiation period. Uh, To steal a line from uh, the great musical Hamilton, I want to be in the room where it happens, Jason. (laughs) I would love to be a fly on the wall in those negotiations for the new grant of media rights for the Big 12 and ESPN and Fox and whoever else is involved. Is there going to be a streaming service? Is Amazon coming to play? Does Google come into play? 
Like, I, I wish I could be there. Interesting that you bring that up in terms of what it may look like because um, we're gonna get to that a little bit later yes. on in the show. Um, Brett Yormark made a comment to some of the uh, the media members uh, that was not part of the, the initial uh, press conference Ooh. that I think, I think BYU fans are gonna find very interesting. Again, that's what we call a tease, folks. Well done, Jason Shepard. <laughs> Our question of the day goes back to the actual headline news that opened up the show, and that is that BYU has a finalized non-conference slate for their inaugural Big 12 campaign. The 2023 non-conference schedule is set with the addition of Sam Houston State. So we want to know, what do you think about that finalized BYU football 2023 non-conference schedule? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at Mark Delroy on Twitter, who says, quote, good opening with two should-be non-stress games, and there are quotation marks around that. And then when BYU has warmed up, bring on the hogs of Arkansas. All right? I'm totally okay with this. I have no problem with this. This is... Set yourself up to be in a good spot when you join the conf- when you join uh, conference play. Yeah, that's not to say that the Tennessee game and idea of that wouldn't have been super fun, but playing Tennessee and Arkansas in the non-conference on top of nine Big 12 games, we're talking 11 Power 5 games, your first year in a Power 5 conference, that's a lot. So while it's not a notable big-name opponent on September 2nd and not like Tennessee – I feel like this is probably the best thing that could happen for BYU football. Again, not as, not as flashy, not even close, but I think this is so smart by Tom Homo uh, to go out and get an aggressive Sam Houston State team that's making the jump up and go and do this. Yep. I think it's super smart. Yep. I, I agree with it. I like the direction. And again, it gives us an idea of how things probably will look moving forward. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's now time for Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. We look back at the top five wins in the BYU football independence era. What doesn't make the list? Let's start it off at number five. Number five, the 2019 Boise State Yeah, I like that this is included. Okay. Third-string quarterback Baylor Romney started the game for the two and four Cougars as they took on the 14th-ranked and undefeated Boise State Broncos in that game. Despite the freezing rain and sleet, the Cougars managed to hang on for the three-point win, 28-25. This win marked a a turning point in Kalani's tenure, and BYU since then has gone 25-6. and Yeah, let's talk about that turning point for just a second, Jason. BYU, since that win, has gone 26-6. and They won five straight games. That was the beginning of the win streak. BYU football has been a different program since that game. Program changer is also when Aaron Roderick took over primary play calling responsibilities. Okay. So there's that as well. At number four, earlier in 2019, we go to SEC country. Double overtime thriller. BYU beats Tennessee in front of almost 100,000 fans. The Micah Miracle sets up a Jake Oldroyd field goal that just sneaks inside the uprights. Tyson Williams would eventually power his way into the end zone in double overtime, along with the entire BYU offensive line, and the Cougars leave Knoxville victorious. Unforgettable night on that orange and white plaid. 
Number three, back to 2018, Madison, Wisconsin is the location. Well, the Cougars came into the game a 21 and a half point underdog against the sixth ranked Badgers. It was BYU jumping around in the end. Squally Canada outrushed future NFL star Jonathan Taylor in that game, <laughs> helping the Cougars win 24-21 after Wisconsin missed a 42-yard field goal in the final minute. That was such a big win for the BYU. Zane train. Zane Anderson coming up with an interception as well. Oh. Camp Randall, that was fantastic. Number two, and you know what? Because it's number two, we're choosing the Texas two-step, and it's two games where Taysom Hill Wait, ran today. all over, and I mean jumped over Texas at times. A 40-21 win in 2013, ran for 259 yards on the ground. Listen, and Jason, you were there in 2014. He did it again in Austin. Yeah, he was fantastic. Look, to, to me, and like this is this is I know everyone's gonna have their own thing. 14 to me is more impressive than 13 because it was at Texas. Oh my goodness. Back-to-back -back wins over Texas. Dominant fashion just ran all over the Longhorns. I love it so much. All right, finally, number one, we have the 12-year nine-game streak ending with the victory over Utah last season after jumping out to the early lead. Kalani's crew holding on for the 26th. 17 victory over its rival Utah Cougars yes. ran for 231 yards to go along with Jaron Hall's three touchdown passes and most importantly were plus two in the turnover department and to make things better the win came one day after the big 12 announcement it was arguably the best 24-hour period in BYU football seriously. history. Seriously I thought the rapture was going to happen. <laughs> that would be our luck. Yeah I know some of you are saying recency bias Where's Nebraska? Where's the Hail Mary by Mangum? Listen, it was number six on my list. I was a six and seven Nebraska team. It provided an unforgettable moment, one of the top plays of all time. But the game in and of itself, Taysom broke his foot. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. It just, it just missed the top five. Look, when you're only going to do five, something's going to have to just miss out. I know some people, I've already heard about it from my friends. Like, how can you exclude Nebraska? The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. As we updated you yesterday with some breaking news on BYU Sports Nation, the football program has announced the addition of Sam Houston State, who is making the jump from FCS to FBS in 2023, to the Cougars' non-conference schedule. So we know the three non-conference opponents of 2023. It's Sam Houston State to open, Southern Utah also in Provo, and then BYU makes a trip to Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks. So now that the non-conference schedule is set, we simply wait for October and the first Big 12 schedule that BYU will face with those nine opponents. Blaine, my question for you is, what does your ideal Big 12 schedule look like for BYU football when they begin Power 5 play in 2023? So you and I were talking about this yesterday, and we didn't, we didn't consult with one another. No, no, purposely. Just, I did not look we, at anything you had submitted. We just said that this is an interesting, this is an interesting and, and, and Colton and our whole staff were like, oh, yeah, this is an interesting topic. What would you do? This is not as easy as it seems. Like, I, I really felt for Tom Homo when I started to try to put together a schedule just for that one year, knowing <laughs> and, and the parameters that we had, we should start out with this, is that they're going to play nine league games yes. and that five of those needed to be on the road and four would be at home based yes. on the fact that they have 
two home games in the in their in their first three. Correct. So five away and four. And remember, in this league as it exists in 2023 with Texas and Oklahoma in it, you don't play four teams. So who you're not going to play? Who you're going to play? All of that. I looked at it from a fan's perspective. So I put my schedule together from a fan's perspective. Okay. Although I got talking to Gavin last night, who's a coach, and we start thinking to, about it from a coach's perspective, you start to think about away versus home, how they line up, who you play when. Do you really want to play all the best teams? You want to play enough of the best teams in the league to, to get the notoriety you want, but you don't want to play them all. You want to play some wins that you can pencil in, right? So you think about it differently for your coach and athletic director. So keep in mind, I kept mine from the perspective of I'm a fan I want, or a broadcaster that wants to call these You games. just want the big-time games so, so, so week here's, in and week out. Here's my lineup. Here's my lineup. Okay. Of course, they start Sam Houston State and Southern Utah and Arkansas, as, yes. we, as we mentioned, at Arkansas. That's a payback for this fall's home game. Correct. Correct. Okay. I have them opening Big 12 play against Kansas State at Ooh, home. Okay. Right? So That's then, the first ever Big 12 game that BYU will play. And I, and I like it because there's history there. It goes all the way back to the Cotton Bowl. And I think okay. people remember that. That's why I put Kansas State in there. Then I have them going to Iowa State because I think it's a really cool venue to play at. It's a great home field for Iowa State. And it's a game I think BYU can compete in and win. On okay. So I've got Iowa State next. I've just penciled in a bye because they have to have a bye week on conference weekend. <laughs> and and, and I, the reason I'm doing that is because this isn't the Mountain West, and Utah State's not on the schedule. Utah State's been a great partner for BYU on conference weekends. To play on that Friday night. Yeah, and this, in Friday this night. case, this year, I think it's Thursday night, yeah. right? Home or away, they'll do it. And that's been the, Aggies have been a great partner, and we should be grateful to them for that. I laugh but, because I did the exact same thing as you, Blaine. So you put the bye on the, the bye week? week is on October 7th. Honestly, I would like the bye to come in week seven or eight. Not not this early in the schedule, but because of conference weekend, it is what it is. Got to put the buy-in on okay. seventh. Okay? okay. Then I have them going to a big challenge at Oklahoma State on the 14th. I like two weeks to prepare for yep, that that's road game. I have a buy before that Oklahoma State mm-hmm. game. Then they come home and play Central Florida. A little history with Central Florida. Um, that's one of the new teams that's coming in. I I don't have them playing one of the new teams coming in. I'll explain that later. That then I have them playing Oklahoma at home. So I have back-to-back home <laughs> games. Central Florida and Oklahoma coming in back-to-back weeks on the 21st and the 28th. Then BYU takes it on the road. They take on a team that they've played in the past and have some great wild games where they can't forget that Taysom Hill crazy outing at Houston. So go back down to Houston where they won before. Oh yeah. Then you bring Baylor home. And this is already turning into rivalry. This is just a brutal stretch right here. Then then they play two away games in November, which is okay, because I'm going to send them to the warm. Uh I got them going at TCU, an old rival from the Mountain West, and then I have them finishing up at Texas in front of 108,000 with a championship on the line. (laughs) And uh, and they're going to play in that great stadium with that great environment. And Texas has been a little bit of a rival, so why not play them on rivalry week? The teams I have them not playing, I don't have them playing West Virginia. I just don't care. About West Virginia. Too far away. It's so far. Unassociated. And there, and there's, not, there's not a lot okay. of, you know, lot there. Texas Tech. I thought about Texas Tech because they're fun, fun to watch, but I don't have Texas Tech. I don't have Kansas on the schedule, and I don't have Cincinnati Interesting. on the schedule. One of the other, and Cincinnati could be right up there at the top of the league if they keep things rolling. So those are the four teams I don't have in. If I was a coach, I would probably take Oklahoma out. <laughs> and put Kansas, and put Kansas in. in. That's what I would do. Balance. If, if I was a coach, Balance. that's what I would want, right? But as a fan, this is what I want. All right. What do you think? I I like. Listen. I look at the stretch after the bye week that you presented. I know it's nuts. Oklahoma State, UCF, Oklahoma, Houston, Baylor, TCU, Texas. Yeah, gulp. You, you better stay healthy. <laughs> it's just wild. But so many big name, fun games in that, right? Yeah. And and early on, I tried to schedule games that mattered, but that I felt like I, I looked at it and thought, okay. 
could BYU start out of the gate and go, you know, win, win, I don't know, give or take win at Arkansas, right? Kansas State, so one, two, three, four, five, you know. Can they win five to start? <laughs> With a new quarterback. So what about you now? Woo! All right, so the whole premise of my schedule was all about balance. Like that, that okay, yeah. I was going for balance and like thinking about travel obligations and when the rest needs to take place. You're thinking like an AD. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking I, like a I, fan. I, I tried, yeah. I, so I tried to think, what would I do if I legitimately were in charge? Because I've talked to the coaches. Yeah. I've talked to Gavin and others. I know exactly why he said, Dad, take Oklahoma out, put Kansas, Kansas in. in. We need a win. Yeah. Like we need an easy win. We need a break. Um, and it is what it is with Kansas yes. in that regard, right? Okay, so my ideal schedule is based on balance. So after the non-conference slate of Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Arkansas, I went with a traditional old rival from the Mountain West to begin. I think that TCU in Provo would be the perfect Big 12 opener. Nice. Just because there's some history there. Yes, there is. A little bit of a built-in rivalry. Then BYU goes on the road to a team that has been red hot over the past two years at Cincinnati. First road game in the Big 12. Why not have two new teams that are both looking to prove themselves in a road contest? So BYU has the first five there, and I feel like it's not too overwhelming. At Arkansas is tough. TCU at home, I like that, that idea of, of TCU being in Provo. And then a road game at Cincinnati before the bye. Okay, so nothing too I overwhelming four, to start. I say they're four and one coming out of okay? it. Okay, at worst, three and two. Okay, yeah, you're At right. worst, three and two. But I, I'm with you, four and one. Going to the bye week, you have a bye before you host Oklahoma. Nice. Okay? That's what I had them before they go to Oklahoma State. Y- yes, you have a bye week. Before you host Oklahoma nice. in Pro Bowl. Now we're talking, right? Then after you've taken on the juggernaut Oklahoma, you're going to lighten the load a little bit. Mm-hmm. So after you host Oklahoma, you go to Kansas, okay? okay. If you lose to Oklahoma, you got a bounce-back opportunity on the road at Kansas. It fulfills a road obligation, okay? So at Kansas. It's funny. If we were talking basketball, it'd be like, that'd be the toughest game to schedule. <laughs> but I, I digress. Go ahead. At Texas Tech uh, on October 28th, that's the closest city to BYU in the currently constituted Big oh, 12. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't even Lubbock. think about that. I think yeah. it's 962 miles away as the crow flies. So at Texas Tech, you got to go back-to-back road games to get those road games in. At Kansas, at Texas Tech, seems like the most palatable mm-hmm. of doing that in consecutive weeks. Then you come home and host Oklahoma State, too. Think about that home schedule thus far. Yeah, I know it's Sam Houston, Southern Utah, but you've got TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State all on your home schedule. Yeah, you – I was more realistic than you know. They're not going to get like you. You gave them all the marquee teams. Not necessarily. Well, no, I know we got to get to end. We got to necessarily. Get to the end. BYU goes to Kansas State after Oklahoma State, then they come back. Senior day is against Iowa State in Provo. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then BYU finishes Big Twelve play on the road Thanksgiving weekend in that rivalry format at Texas, which is exactly what you had. Let me think of two genius things: bye week. Yes, weekend and Texas on the road on on, Texas on rivalry week. Who doesn't want to spoil Texas's whatever party? Let's say they're trying to play for a share of the Big 12 championship. You know, Texas fans are like, oh, no, we want no that we want no part of BYU on that weekend. So who do you have them not playing then? So no UCF just strictly based on distance and the fact that BYU has played UCF. Yeah. Three times in the recent past. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so it's like ah, West Virginia proximity. You and I are the same on that. Houston, again, BYU has played Houston a number of times. Okay. 
Okay, I don't feel like they have to play this. And Baylor, the same reason. BYU is going to play Baylor back-to-back back back years, years before they go into the Big 12. So if you drop a team off, it's like, yeah, we played Baylor I'll the last so, two I years. will not be surprised if Baylor's one that the schedulers don't have on because, well, BYU and Baylor have just they played, played the last them years. two they years in a play. row. Yeah. So I, I think you're probably right on that one. So, so I went specifically with teams that BYU has seen recently in independence. Yeah. And then West Virginia because it's just so far away, yep. and I don't want BYU to have to travel to Morgantown if they don't have to. Your schedule's more balanced. Your schedule's an AD's perspective. I'm just pure fan. I want seven great weeks. Of it. So, <laughs> there you go. Who's left and available yeah. what would by you the do? time you get to what Texas? What would you do? <laughs> you, you folks at home, what would you do? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason. You're shortchanging us today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. My apologies. I, should, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't downplay how awesome you are, Jason. This has nothing to do with me. We're a team here, pal. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you did step outside of this duo dynamic, <laughs> thankfully, because your buddy John Kurtz was kind enough to join you one-on-one -on -one earlier today. Yeah, I was able to talk with him uh, a little bit ago, and John Kurtz is uh, a guy that has covered the Big 12 for a really, really long time. A lot of different platforms, whether it's a podcast network, his YouTube channel. Uh, he's done a lot with K-State in the past, and as Spencer mentioned, I talked with him a little bit earlier today. All right, John, I, I know it's only a couple of hours old, uh, and we really didn't get a ton of information, but I'm curious your, uh, your early takeaways from, uh, from the new commissioner, Brett Yorkman, today. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we didn't get any specific comments about like, hey, I'm after XYZ school, but I think that's probably to be expected, um, especially in a world where you just you don't want to tip your hand. I mean, I think back to USC, UCLA and Texas, Oklahoma, how quiet it was. There was not a single leak, basically, until we actually found out the news that they were gone. So I think these things at the highest levels get kept pretty airtight, as amazing as that is to believe in 2022. But overall, I just I thought he came across as incredibly confident. I mean, honestly, you know, played a lot to what my expectations would have been for him. Um, really confident, clearly has a vision of wanting to make the league like younger and hipper, which I thought was a great comment to hear. Um, so just kind of a more dynamic product to offer there. He talked a lot about angling everything toward TV and wanted to make sure that whatever we do, we're adding value. I even listened to him a little bit after his podium press conference when he was just on with the ESPN crew, and he was um, evolving more on, on that point, talking about like, hey, I've already had conversations with the media partners about what can we do to add value. Everything is about adding value. Um, and I think that's the right way to be thinking here. I wanted a real innovative thinker for the Big 12. I wanted somebody pretty forward thinking. And I think with his resume, it's clear that, that you got that, but you wanted to see it actually out in person today, and, and that came across, I think, loud and clear. that This is a confident guy that wants to lead this league in, in a different direction than where it's been, frankly. I followed you for a long time. I really enjoy your content, whether it's your, your YouTube channel, whether it's the podcast network. I, I know that you've done a lot of stuff with K-State, uh, but obviously the, the Big 12 in general you're very familiar with. And with you being out there in that area, I, I'm curious what the overall thought was uh, from from the universities involved when he was named, speaking of, of Brett Yorkman, when he was named the new commissioner, what was everybody's thoughts on that originally? It, it seemed to be pretty universally appreciated by everybody um, because I think most people realized the Big 12 was in a position where you needed something different. Um, and nothing against Bob Bowlesby. I actually, you know, I don't hold Texas, Oklahoma, everything that's happened against him as much as some do. Um, I think he's been good for the Big 12 in a lot of ways, but he is more the 
old school, like longtime administrator, uh, very kind of deadpan. This is high energy, opposite end of the spectrum. And I think that's what everybody wanted to see. And they want to see somebody with TD connections. And I think it's a great thing when you see in the release that the Big 12 put out about him being the new commissioner, you get a quote from the head of Fox Sports in there. I mean, that speaks volumes to some of the TD connections that this guy has. So I think most people really recognize that. You know, the, the only dissent that I saw would be from somebody who was thinking more along the old school lines. Like, yeah. hey, we need we need somebody who is going to be a long, who's been a long time college athletics administrator. But the fact of the matter is the game has changed so much in the last even three years that I just don't think that's the way to go anymore. It's a totally different game. It much more resembles the entertainment world or like the professional sports world, two areas where right. Your mark has worked extensively. So I think most people, I would say like 80% of the feedback that I saw to it, most people were very, very receptive to that. And to be honest, I was a little bit surprised. I think people were kind of pleasantly surprised by, by what the big 12 did in hiring him. Yeah, and I keep saying Yorman, Yormark, Brett Yormark is is his name. And look, you mentioned the confidence that he showed earlier today, and that stood out to me as well. And I, I think that speaks to certainly putting forth um, this uh, this aura, not just about himself, but about what he wants this conference to be. So I guess my question is, how secure should the Big 12 feel right now after going through everything it has over the last year? Yeah, there's always going to be some level of insecurity. I mean, I think some of that is just kind of baked into this after everything the Big 12 has been through, not even just in the last year, but if you extrapolate it out to like the remaining eight schools that were around back in, in 2010, when everything happened, when we went through the round of realignment with Nebraska, Mizzou, Texas A&M, Colorado, leaving the league, and it, it looked for a fleeting moment there, it looked like Texas and Oklahoma were going to the Pac-12 and that everything was going to be over. I mean, it's been twice now in the last decade that, that these this faction of Big 12 fans has really had to deal with looking at their their life in the mirror you know like this is it this could be it um so i think there's always going to be some level of insecurity and honestly just when the tectonic plates of realignment start moving you always have to be worried about what domino is going to fall and what that will mean having said all of that i think it's it's clearly a much more secure position than they were in a year ago um even if and i saw john wilner who was the guy that broke the initial usc ucla report um earlier today said that he's expecting that the Pac-12 is going to at least stay intact throughout the football season, that it's probably going to be a while before anything were to happen if somebody were to leave. Um, so even if that happens and the Pac-12 stays together for another year or two or whatever it's going to be, I think the Big 12 is still in a pretty good position. Um, we're starting to see TV numbers trickle out. I know Jeffrey Fuller, who's a guy that does a lot of that on Twitter, um, put some out today that were very favorable to the Big 12 looking at. And these are all based on projections made by a, a third-party company. But the Big 12 could be fetching mid-40s to even the 50s um, in terms of millions per year and payout and TV contracts for uh, each of the schools over the next four, five, six years. And I think that is that is just miles better than what we thought a year ago last year. And that's really the key in all of this, because that will not only you know, provide you more money and let you be more competitive in the national landscape, but that's what the stability is all about. And when you talk about the Pac-12, I would venture a guess that their numbers are going to be lower than that. So that still, I think, puts you in a good position to pluck off the four corner schools at some point, even if it's not going to happen right now. So, yeah, I think basically everything that's happened since Texas and Oklahoma has been good. Adding the four schools that the Big 12 did very quickly, all the success on the field last year, not just by the teams in the current league, but obviously everybody else, Cincinnati, BYU, you know, for instance, included in that, Houston too, with a tremendous season. Um, everything is really pushing in the direction of this league being more stable and more unified and together than they have been in a while with the caveat that yes, realignment, anything is, is possible. Well, and, and commissioner Yormark said, you know, we're open for business. I mean, he was, he, he mentioned that multiple times, so he's certainly not closing any doors. And, and while we're talking about that and look, John, it's probably the, the unanswerable question because anything can change and it can change at a second's notice. But as we sit here today, what's your feeling when the dust settles 
Is the Big 12 going to add teams from the Pac-12? Are they going to merge with the Pac-12, or are they going to stay put with the current members moving forward? Obviously, for a couple years with Texas, Oklahoma, and then after that, without. Yeah, it's to me, a part of it is, okay, so when is the dust settling? When are we talking about the dust settling here? If we're talking about going into this football season, I feel like it's it's still going to be as currently composed. I doubt that you're going to pull off any of the four Pac-12 schools by that point. Now, in a year or two, or like by the time Texas and Oklahoma actually lead this league, I do still tend to lean toward the Big 12 is going to be able to pull away at least at least maybe two of those Pac-12 schools and add them to the league. I mean, there's been some talk of like Utah being a little more resistant to that and Arizona being on the opposite end where they really want to go and would have to find a, a dance partner essentially to come with them to the Big 12. It seems like there's enough smoke there, and I still think that the Big 12's TV contract, once everything gets sorted out, is is going to be 15 to $20 million perhaps more per year uh, than what the Pac-12s is. Again, based on some of these projections we're seeing and just, I think, logic and putting two and two together here, that's just an educated guess on my part. No, nobody's feeding me that information, but I would imagine that that's going to play out and eventually that money um, and the extra stability, I think, that comes with the Big 12 right now because the Pac-12 will be always waiting on Oregon and Washington to make their next move. I think that will win out in the end, but it's it's tough and these kind of predictions can make you look pretty silly in conference realignment. So uh, I fully understand that as I say that, but I, I think it will still happen to some extent. It just won't be as quickly as everybody thought it would be initially when USC and UCLA left or, or perhaps as quickly as everybody wants it to happen. With Texas and Oklahoma ultimately on their way out, uh, I know there was a report that they each school, each university had a vote uh, when it came to the new commissioner. How invested are they right now? How much are they participating? How much do they want to participate? Do we even know the answers to that right now? It's a great question. I, th there may be some that know the answers to those questions. I, I can't proclaim to say that I do. Um, I thought it was interesting that they had a vote, and I, I get why. I mean, they are going to have to have this commissioner I mean, not only deal with the, the logistics of the league, but potentially negotiate whatever it is that they're going to negotiate to try and get out early. Um, but it, it's tough for me to tell. It's tough for me to tell. And I, the, the distrust or mistrust of, of Texas and Oklahoma, everybody in the league comes by that very honestly. Um, they were sitting on different committees, Texas and Oklahoma, while orchestrating this move to the SEC behind everybody's back and made Bob Bowlesby out to look like a fool a year ago at Big 12 Media Days when he talked about the league being together and realignment probably not being a thing for a while. So um, it's just tough to know. You know, I will say one thing about some of the logistics of that we've really only seen reporting I, Brian Davis from the Austin American Statesman. I know at one point said it would probably be 2024 at the earliest that Texas leaves. And that came within the last couple of months that he put that out. But outside of that, there's really been zero reporting from anybody, even in Austin uh, about when the exit is going to happen, which I think is pretty telling because a lot of people around the Texas program like to talk. Uh, there are too many cooks in the kitchen, which I, I think is a big problem for Texas as far as their athletic success goes. And that means there's a lot of people that want to talk and feel important and spread sources. There are also a lot of great journalists in Austin. I mean, the, the American Statesman is a great, great paper. Um, so the fact that nothing has really gotten out, I think, means that Texas and Oklahoma have done a pretty good job of keeping a lot of that stuff under lock and key. And, and your best bet on that, I guess, would probably be to, to if you could get true serum and some of the ADs around the league to ask them, like, how committed do you really feel like they are at this point? But um, I'm sure I'm sure it's one foot in, one foot out kind of stuff uh, for the most part. If I were to guess and speculate about Texas and Oklahoma, but I, I can't profess to know that answer for sure. John Kurtz joining us here on BYU Sports Nation, uh, our Big 12 insider. He's got his hand in podcasting, his YouTube channel, does some play-by-play -play stuff, um, and uh, really happy to have you on the program today. L let's focus on 
what this conference will look like when the new schools, obviously speaking of, of the four that were added within the last year, what are your expectations for the conference beginning a year from now when all of these teams are together? It's a 14-team league. What do you envision the conference looking like and being able uh, to do at that point? I think it'll be awesome. I mean, I, I can't tell you how excited I am for a year of the four new schools coming in in Texas and Oklahoma still being there. Um, perhaps some organized chaos with that and trying to figure out scheduling and, you know, if it's going to be divisions or some, some pods or whatever, however they're going to manage that. I think there will be some level of chaos to that. And even, I mean, look, Texas and Oklahoma, they don't want to go play those games. It's, it's just such a uh, lose, lose scenario for them to go play the four new schools, which is why I love it. I mean, I think, you know, make Texas go play BYU again. I'm sure they still have some nightmares about how that went in the past. Um, make Oklahoma go to the bounce house and play UCF. I mean, heck, give Cincinnati a crack at these guys. How about Houston getting a chance at Texas? I mean, that's awesome to think about that kind of a game for those schools. So one, very happy for the four incoming schools um, in getting the opportunity to potentially do that. And I, so I think for a year, it's just going to be something that is totally different than anything we've experienced yet and would experience in the future. And my expectation still is that Texas and Oklahoma would probably find a way to get out after that. I don't think they're going to want to do more than just one year of that, but I think that year will be incredibly fun and everybody can kind of go play with house money, so to speak. Then after that, I think the part I'm most excited to see is just what, what natural rivalries kind of picked up within the league, because it, it will take some time for that, but no doubt there will be some rivalries that form with the four newcomers in the league and everybody else. And it'll just be fascinating to see who it is that takes over as the top dog of the conference, if there's going to be one, because it just seems like a league that will be filled with so much parity. So when you pair that up with your Mark's vision, like a conference with parity where everybody is pretty good, maybe not necessarily great. And you're going to have a lot of really good, fun, entertaining games um, with new environments for some of these schools to go to. I just think it will be a wildly entertaining product. What that means as far as access to the playoff, what that will even look like at that point, how many teams will get there, will they truly have a chance at a national championship? I don't even know that it's fair to speculate about that at this point, but I, I do think this will be a league that people, like the college football fans will find this league incredibly entertaining. I have no doubt about that. And, and then pair it with your Mark's vision. I think they can really emphasize some of the points of that and find different ways to really leverage that. And that's, that's truly what I'm really excited to see. Yeah, well, it goes without saying, BYU is uh, certainly excited to be a part of it. And by all accounts, from everything you read and you hear, everybody's excited to have BYU in the Big 12. John, uh, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Uh, always appreciate your time. Mentioned you have your hand in a lot of different things. Uh, for people that want to get your content, where can they find it? Yeah, well, I really appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I definitely think we are excited to have BYU in the conference. And you'll see that on my YouTube channel getting to about 14,000 subscribers right now, which is primarily Big 12 fans. So it's a really cool community of Big 12 fans there. And I go live on Wednesday and Sunday, and you can just see in the chat, you can converse with a lot of Big 12 fans. I think there is a lot of excitement uh, for the Cougars to be coming into the conference there. So would definitely suggest that. My YouTube channel is just my name, J-O-H-N-K-U-R-T-Z. And you can follow me on Twitter, just J-L Kurtz on Twitter if you want uh, more, more daily content from me. Look, KC guys, nothing wrong with that. I'm a KC guy, you're a KC guy. We're both Chiefs fans. Uh, so hey, let's, uh, there's nothing wrong with this conversation at all, right? Hey, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that's right, man. Yeah, we both uh, we're, we're both all about some Patrick Mahomes. Then that's I that's right. That's right, John. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time as always. Hey, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday in honor of. 
finalizing the non-conference schedule in 2023 with the addition of Sam Houston State. We're going to play a little summer edition of Know the Foe because we BYU don't really know Sports much. Nation asks, do you know the foe? About Sam Houston State. Do we know the foe, Jason? We're going to find out if you and I know the foe. Okay. You play along with us, please. Number one. All right, Jason, tackle this brain buster. Which future Big 12 conference mate mm -hmm. shares the same mascot as Sam Houston State? Okay. Baylor, Kansas State, Texas Tech, mm -hmm. or Cincinnati? Are they the Bears? They're the, the Bears. Wildcats? They're the Bears. The Red Raiders or the Bears? They share it with Baylor. They're the Bears. Close. It's the Bearcats. You didn't let me finish. Cats. <laughs> 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 the Bearcats. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, here we go. What college football head coach on BYU's schedule played at Sam Houston State? Jeff Scott from USF, Blake Anderson from Utah State, Hugh Freeze at Liberty, or Craig Bull from Wyoming? I'm going to go with Craig Bull from Wyoming. <laughs> Who was it? Blake Anderson. Blake played at Sam Houston State. He did. He is, that? He's a bear. Cat. Cat. <laughs> Number two, Jason. Is anybody going to get one right? Which former NFL journeyman quarterback okay. played at Sam Houston State? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. Isn't he still playing? He's retired. He's okay. now on Amazon. I, I kid. Yeah, here. Yeah. He's at Amazon. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown, Brian Hoyer, mm -hmm. or Case Keenum? Uh, I'm going to say Brother McCown. Josh McCown. That is the correct yes. answer. Josh McCown played at Sam Houston State. Okay. You got one right. I'm so happy. All right. Now, can you get one? What town in Texas is Sam Houston State located at? <laughs> Huntsville, Houston, Hallsburg, or Hamlin? I hate this question because they're Sam Houston State. So naturally, you want to say Houston, right? Or maybe it's Sam. Naturally, you want to say Houston, but it's not Houston. Okay. Or is it? Give me the other answers again. Huntsville. Hallsburg or Hamlin? <laughs> Hamlin. <laughs> I'm going to go with Hallsburg. Wow! Oh! Huntsville. It's Huntsville? Yes. Oh, yes. And... All right, I'm, I've got the one point. <laughs> okay. Number three. How many national championships has Sam Houston State won in football? In the FCS level. Well, just all together. Okay, okay, anyway. Fine. Okay, fine. One, two, three, or four? Two. Gosh, you're yet two in a row, Jason. Sweet. Can you give me one of the years? One of them was pretty recent. Which is why they were on my radar. Okay, okay. Uh, 2013. 2020. The 2020 FCS National Champion. There you go. Sam Houston State Bear Cats. Cats. Yes, all right. Last one. This one's for you. Can you get a point? What? Oh, you just answered that. You, that's my question. What? What year did it take place? Oh, really? <laughs> 2020, baby. That was my question I was going to ask oh, you. You still won. Two to one. You, right. still, you still beat me. Sweet. That's really all I cared about. Three, for, right. three for six combined. <laughs> that's probably better than Jerem and I or Jerem and you have ever done combined and combined effort. I would agree with that. That's why we're the dynamic duo. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this.
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company, enabling global trade for a growing world. Fox College Basketball tweeted out the question, what is the best college basketball game you ever experienced? Mm. So Spencer, what is the best college game you have ever experienced? I know people are gonna be like, recency bias! No. When BYU beat Gonzaga in late February of 2020, that is the craziest I personally have experienced the Marriott Center. I was not in attendance for the Jimmer game in 2011 against San Diego State. But that Gonzaga game, when BYU wrapped it up, and in convincing fashion by 91-78, 13-point win at home. When that happened, I thought the roof was gonna blow off the place. That's the best I have seen BYU play as a team in the last decade, in that game. Like a singular game, that's the best I've ever seen them play. And down the stretch, they were stone cold. Oh like my god! I mean, it just storming the court. Big like, shot after big it, shot. It, just. The energy was so unbelievable. Like, I rarely fear for my life when I'm at the court level. I was like, wow, I'm a little worried because like people are so ramped up right now. That was awesome. But what are the great environment? People still talk about that even at the networks about that game. 2020, so, February. Yeah. So so my I I was toss up between two. It was either the the 2011 Fredette, Kawhi Leonard, which I called San Diego State BYU game both in the top five. But instead, I went with the BYU at Utah game that same year. Okay. When Jimmer went off for 32 in the first half. <laughs> he couldn't miss shots. He was out of his mind. It's at Utah. It's at Utah as well. And and everybody just kept shaking their heads. Everybody in the arena just kept shaking their heads. Like, what in the world is going on right now? Could not stop him. I'm calling the game. And right before halftime, he makes a half-court shot. And and the reason that this is so special to me is because I was on the call for him uh, for, for the Mountain Sports Network in that one, ESPN's top 10 plays of the day, they they chose that half court shot as play of the day. And instead of talking over it, they just took our audio. So Blaine was number I one was, on Sports I was Center. the number I got to do the audio of Jimmer for the number one play of the day in the top 10 countdown that night. In fact, let's listen to it. I rode Jimmer's coattails. Let's listen to it. I don't even know what Ladies to say. That's ridiculous. The way he shot the ball from, from depth in this first half is ridiculous. And, and the thing is, he turns around after he makes it and acts like, yeah, that's what I do. 32 points in the first half for number 32. That's what I do. I make yeah, shots. That's what I do. I, like they fit, like the, the finishing of that audio is I said, yeah, that's what I do. I'm Jim <laughs> Fredette. I make shots. Like he didn't even get like no big he, deal. he just expected to make that half court wow. shot. That was awesome. I love that game. All right, Blaine. Uh, it's been well documented. Big 12 media days are happening right now. Some notable rule changes were announced at uh, the Big 12 media fund today for college football, including a targeting rule and a catch rule. And to summarize, the targeting rule allows for a review process for a player who has been disqualified in the second half of a game due to targeting to potentially vacate the suspension for that player for the next game. So right now it's, if you get DQ'd in the second half of a game, you gotta sit out the first half right. of the next game. They're taking that away. They're saying, hey, if you got DQ'd, we're gonna review it. It's not that big of a deal. You're not gonna have to sit out the first half of the next game. Right. And it goes to the national coordinator of officials to make that call yes. and then they'll live with that. Okay, Which and then I, there's- I think it's too punitive anyhow. True. To disqualify him for the next game, Frank, I, think it's just, I think it's punitive. Yes. I have a lot of opinions on that, but not enough time yeah. to share them. The catch rule is that if a player catches the ball in the end zone, okay, 
and is pushed into the field of play in the air, meaning like, let's say he catches over the goal line and he gets pushed to the one yard line, but he's still in play, it's ruled a touchdown. So like you catch it over the goal yeah. line, but you get pushed back to the one yard line, they're gonna call that a touchdown. I, ju I jump up, grab the ball, I get smacked, I land outside of the end zone, but the ball in my possession, cross the goal line, still a touchdown. Okay. I actually like that. Okay, well, yeah, so which rule do you like better out of those two? Um, I actually, I, I like them both because I think, I think the disqualification is too big of a deal. I just don't think they're going to overrule a bunch of them. So I think the one that we see happen more yes. is this catch, catch in the end zone, get knocked back out of the end zone, still a touchdown. Where I think we'll see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that they are bringing down the the penalty for uh, the targeting. Frankly, I think that there should be a flagrant one and flagrant two in football. Blaine. Yeah. If it's a flagrant one, it's a 15-yard penalty. Yep. You're not DQ'd, whatever. If it's a flagrant two, Sure, you disqualify him, but don't keep him out another game or another half in the next yeah, game. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm with you. I agree with you on that. There's some different emphasis. There's one emphasis that I really like. They're going to really look closely at the defense drawing the offense off by clapping, yelling signals, and doing that. Point of emphasis this year. They went over that as well in the Big 12. I really like that they're going to sure. pay attention to that. That's happening way too much in football. Okay, there you go. So. All right, on to, uh, let's go to... Women's volleyball. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there, there you go. The volleyball rings. There's some new bling for BYU women's volleyball, rocking their West Coast Conference mm -hmm. Championship rings. First of all, what do you think? I mean, look at these pictures. Look at the Sweet 16 team. They were 30-2 and two overall. I, what do you think? I think they're beautiful. The I, royal blue. I mean, no, I, I, so I really gorgeous. like it. No, I really like it. It is. And I like, I like the Sweet 16 and the record on the on the side in the league and the overall record. That's a sweet ring. Mm. I, would, I would wear that with pride. Okay. Almost as sweet as some other rings, Blaine, right? Yeah. Now you, you just so happen to be rocking the national championship. I, I'm not ring. too I'm not too fat today to wear this for some reason. <laughs> and, and like usually I'm too fat, but this one has the record on the side, 13 and 0. Where's that yeah, camera? Yeah, 13 yeah, and 0 yeah. right there. Has Lavelle Edwards Stadium on it. Says national championships and our name and our right. We're gonna go right there. Our name and number on the side. It's it's a it's a fun little beautiful fun little thing. And I get better phone reception when I have it on my hand. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is on that. So. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. He is the publisher of Extra Points, an outstanding writer for college sports and friend of the program, Matt Brown. Matt, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me again. Might I add, the pennant wall behind you is looking better than ever. That is quite the collection you have there, my friend. No, I appreciate it. It's nice. I haven't gotten the Room Raider treatment yet, but it is you know, a little bit nice to have something a little bit different in, in the backdrop here. And whenever I interview an AD or a university president on camera, they often look at that and go, well, my school's not on there. So I don't even have to buy these anymore, which is which is great. You know, I'll have to change around a little bit. Well, and you you told us uh, before before the interview started. Because you have a you have a have a big uh, like the normal size pennant of BYU, but you said you've been looking for a, a a mini version of that, and you cannot find one. So obviously, we've got a lot of people. BYU Sports Nation has quite the reach. We may be able to have somebody out there that may have one, may be willing to to let you have it. You know, you know, I have a lot of these really small pennants that came from this collection in the late 50s. If somebody has a friend, has a friend whose elders quorum president is like a collector <laughs> of memorabilia or something, you know, my email is matt at extrapointsmb.com. I have an Etsy alert set up, but 
I, w- I was joking. If I spend two hundred dollars on one of these pennants, I'm either going to get in trouble with the tax man or my <laughs> wife, or probably both. So we should probably try to limit it to under that. Yeah. All right, fans across BYU Sports Nation, we're putting you on blast. Go to work, do your research, do your homework, <laughs> see if you can help Matt Brown out. And maybe the BYU store, athletic marketing, just maybe. They've it is the official outfitter of Somebody. BYU fans everywhere. This is very true. Okay, I'm Matt. I'm hearing this. Now that we've got the pennant situation at least taken care of for now, um, how's your life right now uh, thanks to college football realignment? And uh, I know that you are not only you know a guy that follows BYU, but you follow Ohio State closely. Ohio State's going to have a couple of new friends in the Big Ten Conference in USC and UCLA in a couple of years. How's life been as you kind of ponder realignment with the Trojans and Bruins coming to Big Ten country? No, I, I, I Listen, when we this whole thing started, I don't think I had this gray hair right here, right? Like, <laughs> I have been wanting to take a longer vacation almost as long as I, since I started Extra Points. And the last time I took a real vacation, I actually went out to Utah to go see some family, go take my kids hiking because we don't have mountains in Chicago. And that's when the Austin case broke. So I'm sitting here like trying to edit some kind of like legal opinion from Kodachrome State Park. I was supposed to be out of, you know, in the woods now. Obviously, that's not going to happen. It's hard to really overstate, I think, how dramatic the USC-UCLA changes, not just for what the Big Ten looks like, but for the future of super conferences and, and league consolidation and what the balance of power looks like for college sports in general. It's gigantic. See, and I think that's what's interesting right now because once that news happened, and obviously it just blew everything up, since then, at least publicly, Things have quieted down. How quiet are things behind the scenes right now, Matt? They are never as quiet as they appear in public. So I mean, I've, and I've said this a lot, and this is coming from a guy that's broken a couple of these stories. Like the number of people at a school or at a conference office that really know what's going on with realignment or these kind of changes, it's a small circle. It's your president, maybe an AD, maybe one, one or two associates, and then some people in the media, broadcasting, consulting world. And that's really about it. It's definitely not coaches or assistants or, or other people in that space. So if those, you know, th- those that eight, nine, 10 people, they don't want to talk, it's really difficult to get things out in public. What's happening right now is you have a lot of administrators who are doing a lot of data analysis and data digestion. You don't want to make a rash decision without really having a better idea of what, what do our media partners value our conference for 2023 or 2024? What will our revenue look like in the next couple of years? And what are some scenarios to do that? You don't want to jump conferences without realizing that maybe Fox or ESPN was going to make a bigger, uh, a bigger offer later on. So I would be very surprised if there's a gigantic move in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I had been hearing last week from some ADs that they hadn't even heard back from ESPN about what an ES, a Pac-12 ACC partnership would look like. So you can't join the Big 12 if you don't know the other the other side's best offer right now. Matt Brown is the publisher of Extra Points. We are talking college football realignment. In your opinion, Matt, what is the next domino to fall, wherever that may be? I, if I had to put money on it, I honestly think the next domino is probably still going to be at the FCS or one AAA level because we still have a couple of smaller D1 leagues that are, are, are aggressively trying to backfill. At the Power 5 level, the conventional wisdom seems to be that it centers on Notre Dame. And one of the maybe frustrating things about this for a fan is Notre Dame's decision about what they want to do isn't primarily or even or certainly not exclusively driven by how much money that they can make. Notre Dame's going to make more money in the Big Ten now. That's true three weeks from now. That was true three months from now. The, the key factor for them is championship access. If they feel like they have a pathway to a college football playoff as an independent, they'll stay that way. And that means the Big Ten probably stays at 16. 
did the, the, did the events of the last two weeks change that calculus? Maybe, maybe not. Do we know what the college football playoffs going to look like in two or three years? Maybe, maybe not. That, that's so, and, and until there's clarity on that front, I don't think you're going to see anything gigantic happen at the Power 5 level. As you just mentioned, the two most important things that's spurring all of this is playoff access and what that looks like, and then obviously finances. Those are the two things that are driving every bit of what we're seeing. With that in mind, though, we were talking about this in our last segment, rivalries. Should rivalries matter in realignment? I mean, as a, as a consumer, the obvious answer to that would be absolutely. And it, I think it's been a, a really unfortunate over the last several years that many important rivalries, whether that's Kansas, Missouri, Texas, Texas A&M, BYU, Utah, uh, you know, anything that Maryland had with any of their fans, uh, you know, was, was, was torn up after realignment. What, what I have been hearing and, and from kind of being on this beat here for a little while is if you don't have $11 billion to kind of paper over some of these problems, like the Big Ten might right now, rivalries are really important, not just for fan engagement. They're honestly important financially. Having history, having geographic proximity, having uh, honest to goodness, like profound dislike from one another. That's not just great for ESPN. That's great for your MMR partners. That's great for anybody you're trying to work with for sponsorships. That's great for ticket sales. And so I know at the mid-major level, it's extremely important. Whatever the Big 12 decides to do, whether that's now, whether that's in 2024, whether that's six years from now, they're not going to have Big 10 or SEC money to paper over imperfections. You want to be able to have as much inventory for sponsorships, for media partners, and for fan engagement as possible and that's going to come with deep rivalries, which is something that this league right now, with four new members from all over the country, doesn't have at, at, at scale the same way that the SEC or the Big Ten have. In many ways, it feels like a race to become the third most powerful conference because, let's face it, right now, no other conference is going to catch the Big Ten and the SEC. So it's a race for third place. Matt, is the Big 12 right now the third most secure and powerful conference? And if not, what do they need to do to get to that position? I honestly don't think right now there's a significant appreciable difference between the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 in terms of power, when it, whether that's broadcast money or influence within various NCAA subcommittees or what the transformation committee is going to look like. The big two are really very significantly far uh, in front of everybody else. Now, as a fan, I think it's fair to say, what does that matter? Because even, yeah, the Big Ten has a ton of money and they haven't won anything in college basketball in like 20 years. <laughs> the Big 12 doesn't have that same, that same uh, amount of resources and arguably have the best men's basketball conference in the country and one that could be getting better. The ACC doesn't have the same amount of money. Clemson's still been able to make the college football playoff. They've still been able to win games at an elite level. So I think it's fair to wonder... At what point does that money and influence matter? If one of these other leagues goes away, you know, by, by nature of it, whoever ends up absorbing more of those members will have some more power and influence. But I, I don't know if there's a difference in the way that matters to most people listening to this program between being number three and number five, especially because that's going to change a lot depending on the year in the sport. The report uh, within the last 24, 30 hours or so that the SEC is, is telling everybody that they're fine at 16 and they're hoping that if they, they stay at 16, that will help kind of sort of curb the, the expansion talk. Number one, do you buy it? And, and number two, does, does 
I, I guess the way I look at it is maybe the only thing that really changes is, is we'd originally heard maybe 2022 is what they were, were looking to get to. Instead of everybody trying to race to 20 or 22, it seems like everybody would just race to try and get to 16 to, to be with the SEC. What do you make of that report and what it could mean? What, what I make of this, uh, you know, one, I mean, for all of these kind of reports, you have to ask yourself, is, is this outlet somebody that is likely to have direct conversation with one of the people that has firsthand knowledge of these things. So maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Sometimes on the internet, that's not true. But I think for everybody, you're good at 16. You're good at 14. You're good at 12 until you're not. Um, you know, from what I had heard over the summer, and I talked to administrators in the Big Ten, is they weren't really actively looking for expansion candidates. They didn't feel like that was you know critical for their strategic plan. They were very uh, deep in their conversations for their next TV rights deal before UCLA and USC entered the picture at all. And then suddenly that opportunity became available to them. That changed the plan. If I was an SEC AD or president, I don't think I would look at anything the Big Ten just did as an existential threat. You're very powerful. You can be secure at 16. If, I don't know, in 18 months, there's reason to believe that maybe the ACC's grant of rights agreement isn't as legally enforceable as it seems right now. Mm -hmm. Or if maybe somebody you know approaches them with a briefcase of $200 million willing to buy themselves out of those deals suddenly maybe 18 looks a little bit more attractive. I mean, it, 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 nobody wants to get out there in public and say like, no, we're not really satisfied with our conference membership and we want to make changes right now. But that doesn't mean that they're not taking the call if somebody else is reaching out behind the scenes. By the way, doesn't it feel like the only the only reason a briefcase is used these days is to fill it with money? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody carries a briefcase anymore, right? You're just going to put money in it. It's, it's either money or like very dramatic illegal documents. Like brief, it's, it's all like, are you going to be in a born movie? Is this where we hide our like fake passports and like the fake gun or something? That's a briefcase. I haven't seen anybody else use one in a decade. Yeah. If, if someone sees a briefcase, automatically think there's like, something really like, important in like there. There's cash in there. There is, there is, yeah. there is a lot of money in that briefcase. There's a mini BYU you gotta, pennant you, in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to flag that person in airline security. Like there, there's either college football history or foreign currency in that thing. That's very suspicious. Great stuff with Matt tools. Brown, the publisher of Extra Points. We do need to ask you, uh, before we let you go, Matt, about the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and the race of sorts that they are in right now. Yeah. Is it in the best interest of the Big 12 if the Pac-12 does have a demise and it goes away? I can't wrap my head around a world of college sports with no Pac-12, but here we are. Is it in the best interest of the Big 12 to pull members from the Pac-12? I mean, if, if, if that option is earnestly available, sure. I, mean, I, I think it would absolutely make the Pac-12 a more uh, financially viable and, and uh, attractive conference if it had Utah in it with BYU. It, 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 would, it would be valuable to have access to the Phoenix television market and the fact that that area is growing so, mu so much with transplants. I don't think it's necessarily critically required. And it, it's also really important to keep in mind here, when you don't have Big Ten money, there are real logistical problems with having a conference that would span four time zones, depending on what Arizona ends up doing with like daylight savings. If you're flying from Morgantown, West Virginia or Cincinnati to Arizona, to Utah, to Colorado all the time, that's not just expensive. There's jet lag. There's a, that's a lot of missed class. That means a lot of games on weird TV windows for, for viewers, either in the East Coast or the mountain time. Like BYU fans are going to have to get used to uh, weird time zones when they're watching their teams play in West Virginia or Florida or Cincinnati. And there comes a point where that isn't always worth it. It's probably worth it for the Big 12, but the I think the real human costs of that would be felt even more strongly than they would be with the Big 10. 
where those costs really are very significant. Matt, great to catch up with you. And uh, for one, we've got a briefcase to track down and a pennant <laughs> to track down to put inside the briefcase. We'll get on that. Uh, in the meantime, how can BYU fans and college football fans in general find more of your work? You bet. I write Extra Points, which is a newsletter that publishes every day that covers all the off-the-field stuff that shapes the college sports industry, whether that's reporting on the EA Sports College football game, mm. conference realignment, university athletic department finance, all of that stuff you can find at Extra Points MB, or you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Brown EP. Great stuff. Matt, good to talk to you, man. Take care. Thanks, Matt. It's always a pleasure. Take care, guys. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.